0: So I'm just going to read a little bit of scripture before Pastor Chris comes up. Um, So today we're going to be looking, do y'all have it up there? Thank y'all so much. So this is John 3 through 5 and also 12 through 14. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked him. You called me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Amen.
1: Today, we're going to continue on our series. We've been talking about disciples, apprentice. We are called to be disciples or an apprentice of the Lord, and so we're exploring what, what does that even mean? What does that look like? What, what are we talking about when we talk about being a disciple? And so today we're going to talk about the serving disciple, and we're going to explore what uh, Taylor just read to us and also some other verses as well. Well, it was uh, a time period that was very dark and dem, if you will. There had just been a a sweep of cholera go through a particular city in England, Bristol, England, and there was a six-year-old girl who had her younger brother literally on her back as piggyback. She was carrying him and she came up to a man who was an evangelist and explained to him that her father her mother had died of cholera and her father was missing and she asked the man for money and he gave her some money but that night he couldn't sleep because he continued to think about not only this girl and her brother but all of the other children in that city of Bristol, England, that were having such a difficult time because of the sickness that had gone through and many of their parents had passed away. And it was in that night that George Mueller decided to do something about it. He decided to serve his city. He was planning on being a missionary somewhere else. He was leaving Bristol to go somewhere else and he was... Praying, asking God where to go. But it was that night, after that encounter with a six-year-old girl, that George Mueller decided, I need to stay here, and I need to serve this city and the children of this city. And that decision obviously changed his life. And he spent decades uh, operating an orphanage, and then actually had more than one orphanage, where they estimate between the years that the children went through, there was about 120,000 children went through his orphanages. He lived about the entire uh, 19th century. He was born in 1805 and died in 1898, the year my grandfather was born. And during that time period, there are testimony after testimony about God's faithfulness to him and to the orphanages that he was operating And George Mueller had a very uh, interesting rule that is self-imposed on himself, and that was this, I will not ask anyone for money, but I will pray and I will trust God to provide everything we need for the ministry that he has called me to. Now, if you've been around Hope Crossings any length of time, you know that we don't mention money a lot, we don't talk about it a lot. When we do, we cover it really well, but we don't talk about it a lot. Uh, and so we kind of have that same approach. We, we don't have, like, we never talk about money, but we simply just say, hey, this is what the Word of God says. Let's be faithful to God. George Mueller would ask no one for money. And yet he had thousands and thousands and thousands of children that he was responsible for, not only to house them, but to clothe them and every day to feed them. One particular day, the children had come down into, I guess, what we'd call the mess hall, the dining room, and they were all sitting in their chairs at the tables waiting for food, and they had no food at all. There was no food. And so George Mueller came and he said, Well, children, remember, it's important that we eat breakfast quickly because we don't want to be late to school. And he said, So let's pray. And he bowed his head and he prayed a prayer, something like, God, thank you for your faithfulness to provide everything we need, including breakfast. Amen. And within just a moment after praying that prayer, there was a knock at the door and he went and answered the door and standing before him was the baker of the city. And he said, Mr. Mueller, I, I couldn't sleep last night and I was praying and it seemed like the Lord had put it on my heart that You did not have enough food. And so I woke up at 2 a.m. and I went down and I began to bake bread. And here is the bread that I have baked for your children. In that moment, with having nothing and a responsibility to serving the children of that city of Bristol, England, God provided in the moment that it was needed. We'll come back to that again in just a moment. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 20 and verse number 25, and Jesus called them together, his disciples, and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus here is giving us that, if it will, an oxymoron. If you want to be great, serve. If you want to be effective, lower yourself. And do things to help other people. No matter where they are, no matter what their age, no matter what their circumstance, serve one another. As what Taylor just read in John chapter 13, Jesus knew that he had come from the Father and he was returning to the Father. And he knew that all authority had been given to him, was under his power, if you will. And yet he did something so unique and powerful that he served. He washed his disciples' feet and then took the towel that he had put around his waist and dried their feet. I love the fact that it says he dried their feet. He could have washed them and said, Yeah, the air will take care of that. Oh, those will, those will dry eventually. But no, he finished the job. He finished the task. He went all the way. He washed and dried His disciples' feet. But was this really about washing feet? Or was it about something more? Is that actually, literally, what we're supposed to do with one another is wash people's feet? Well, there's certainly that is a symbolic gesture, and it can also be a literal gesture, but Obviously, Jesus is talking about something much bigger. The one who would traditionally wash people's feet was the servant. The one with no clout, no recognition, the one who was an obscurity who came in and washed feet and then went back out. Jesus is saying, I want you to do the same thing. I want you to have that kind of spirit that says, I want to do something, even if it appears to be menial but yet is vitally important. There in verse number three of what we read, Jesus realized that the Father had put all authority under His power, but yet all authority has not been given to us. All authority is not under our power. We have been given authority, but not all authority and not all power. And so we have to ask ourselves, what do we have control of? What is it about our lives that we have control of? Jesus had all control, but what do we have control over? Can I present a couple of things, and the the list is very long actually, but can I just say that you have control over your attitude? That's why you can always say to anybody, hey, you have an attitude. Now, sometimes we need to tell people, hey, dude, you have an attitude. But sometimes the attitude's cool and it's good. And we go, hey, man, you got a great attitude. Way to go. But no matter what, we always have an attitude and we have power over that attitude. We can respond with with fire or we can respond with peace. We can respond with help or we can respond with a put down. But we always have control over our attitude. We choose. We have control over our love. We can love Or we can withhold our love. We have control over our work ethic. We can show up early and leave late. We cannot play video games while everybody else in the office is playing video games. Just a little idea out there. I thought I'd throw that out there, free of charge. And we have control over a lot of our time. Now, there's some time that we don't have control over. uh, But there's a lot of time that we do have control over. And what we do with it is vitally important. Jesus knew that he had come from God and was returning to God. In the same way, Romans 8, verse 38 tells us, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor Present or in the future, or any power, neither height nor depth, or any else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the promise of the Christian that we know that God is with us, He is for us, He's not going to leave us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Isn't that powerful? We go through life like that. So we don't have a need to like protect ourselves and make sure nobody takes advantage of us, or that no, we can go through life go, man, God's with me. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Twenty-four hours a day, every second of every hour, every minute, I am loved by God, and so I have confidence and security. No matter whether somebody that I would like to like me likes me, that doesn't matter. God likes me. And God loves me. So if he or she or that group over there, that group, if they don't like me, well, that's their problem. God loves me. And we live that way. We confidently serve God because we have that assurance. I want to talk to you about three things about serving. And we'll go through these, I think, pretty quickly. We're going to have another time of prayer and worship in, in a few moments. First thing is serving is about opportunity. Serving is about opportunity. And, you know, when you're looking for a job, like an employment, uh, you look and you look for all the opportunities, and which one do you choose? Come on. It wasn't really a trick question, I promise. I'm not trying to bait you with anything, okay? What? Yeah, you want the best opportunity, right? The one you like, yeah, good job, pays a lot, 16,000 weeks of vacation. You know, it's like, yeah, okay, it sounds great. Yeah, you, you, you know, that makes sense. And that's good. I think that's wise. Okay. When, we, when, when it comes to serving in that time that we have allotted to us and those talents that God has given us and all of those things, when it comes to serving, we want the best opportunity. And you know what sometimes the best opportunity, you know which one that is? It's the one right in front of you. <laughs> just the one right in front of What George Mueller did. It just, he just picked the one right in front of him. He was looking to go somewhere, to be a missionary somewhere, and the Lord just said, actually, right here is a really great place to minister. And so he did. And that's many times the where we need to start. If you're not sure what ministry to be involved in, where to serve, start with the one that's right in front of you and, and go from there. And it might be, you say, well, I don't want to get stuck in a, in, a, in a ministry that I don't like. Well, it's, it's like dating, You try a ministry, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, you know, well, you know we're breaking up. I'm gonna agree. Another ministry, another place of service. So we try, and we, we pick and choose according to our gifts and our talents and our desires, but sometimes it's just simply the one that's right in front of us. It's an opportunity for us. Jesus took this opportunity of the Passover. You know, the Jewish people have been doing the Passover for thousands of years when Jesus did this. They're still doing it today. And he took that opportunity to say, okay, you know what? We're, we're going to do something a little different here. To my knowledge, there's never been a time when anyone has washed another person's feet during the Passover. I'm not saying it never has happened. I just don't know of it. Nothing in Scripture about that. There wasn't one of the prerequisites or prescriptions for the Passover meal. But Jesus took the opportunity because he said, you know what? This is, um, this is one of the last moments I'm going to be with my disciples and I'm going to choose very carefully what I do. I'm going to choose very carefully what I say, just as you would. If you're just getting ready to have a last few opportunities with your family and friends, you're not going to talk about stuff that doesn't matter. You're going to get right down to the nitty-gritty and we're going to talk about things that matter and we're going to do things that matter. And Jesus said what matters is serving and I'm going to serve my, di- my disciples. I'm going to show them. Give them an example. He took the opportunity of the Passover to do something extra. You know, I always love it when people do something extra. Don't you love it when somebody does something extra? You love it when your when your server at the restaurant does a little something extra, right? Isn't that nice? Again, not a trick question. You can bob your head. It's okay. Not a trick question. Yeah, we love extra. We love it when you know people are you know when you go and you buy a a basket of Peaches, a peck, or a half a peck, or whatever those things are called. It's a little basket. You just love it when the guy, like, just, just piles. He, see, he sees how many he can put on there, and he says, okay, be, be very careful with that. Here, take all the, you're just like, yeah, thank, thank you for not, like, topping it, right? You know, like, he just piles them up. We love extra. Here, Jesus was saying, I'm going to do something extra. And when we're ministering and we're serving one another, we should do extra. The second thing about serving is that serving is about obedience. Simply saying, you know, we're going to submit to one another with authority because we're going to be disciples who are obedient to God. Not those who pick and choose, but to say, God's called me to serve, and I'm going to serve the body of Christ. I'm going to serve the lost. I'm going to serve our community. And that's what Hope Crossings is really about. In Galatians 5, verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters... We're called to be free. Aren't you glad for that? He says, we're called to be free. We sang, sang about that in a moment ago. But then he puts, he adds this thing. He says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. That that part of us that still gravitates toward doing our own thing in our own way, in our own timing, and forget about everybody else. I need, I want, I. He says, you've got freedom but don't use your freedom to indulge selfishness. He said, but serve one another humbly in love. Serve in love. Yeah, you have the freedom. I have the freedom to look the other way and not see that anymore. You have that freedom. But he says, that's indulging the flesh. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? You know, guys traveling along the road, he gets beat up and robbed and the, the priest, kind of like in my position, the priest goes by and goes, oh, I, I don't, I don't want to go there. Another guy goes by, same thing, doesn't want to see it. The Samaritan comes by and says, hey, man, let me help you. had yeah, the freedom, he said, no, I'm not going to do that. Ephesians 6 7, uh, 6, 7, and 8 says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people because you know that the Lord will reward. He's saying, I want, you to, I want you to serve not as though you're serving people, but as you're serving the Lord. Man, isn't that, wouldn't that change Jackson County? If we just played a trick on our minds and said, everyone I serve is the Lord. Everyone I serve is the Lord. Everyone I serve is I'm serving the Lord. Every group I serve, I'm, I'm serving the Lord. Everything I do, I'm serving the Lord. See, there is there's a growth in a disciple that can only happen through serving. It's when we're giving and we're ministering. There's a, there's a maturity in it. And there are things that happen that can only happen when we serve one another. And I would dare say... Think about how you came to Christ. Did you come because somebody like just pounded you? Or did you come because somebody loved you, served you, was helping you? And what we do when we serve one another and we serve the lost, we serve our community, we are serving the Lord. And there is a, a presence that we have with God that we only find in those moments when we're serving one another. I said, I'm, I'm not looking for... Recognition. I'm not looking for the cameras. I'm not looking for anybody. I'm just here serving my fellow man. There, there is a, an experience of being in the presence of the Lord that you only get when you're serving. We, we experience the presence of God here in our singing and our worship, and it's beautiful and it's powerful. And that's great. But you also will be in the presence of God when you're serving one another interesting thing when Jesus was talking about the end times he said um, there are those who have been faithful and and they have served and loved and they've helped people and there there are those who did not and he says it's very interesting when he's talking to his group he says you know hey I'm you're welcome welcome into heaven welcome into my home and welcome into your eternal place and because man you fed me when I was hungry and you clothed me when I was naked and they go okay what what When did we do that? When did we, what? And he said, yeah, when you did it to the least, you did it to me. You did it to me. There's a presence of God that you, his presence is tangible in so many different moments in our lives. But one of those tangible moments is when we're serving one another. We just have the joy of serving. We just have the, the, the joy of just saying, man, can I help someone today? Can I, can I be a representative of Christ to someone today? And yet the turnaround is the fact that we are serving the Lord because we're serving in His name. The third thing about Serving is that it's about obscurity. It's not about the cameras and the highlights. It's not about being known or being seen. It's not about saying, hey, look at me. I'm serving. Hey, look at me. Look what I did. It's an obscurity. We just pull back and we say, no, we don't really want anyone to see or know, or just, we just want to be faithful. Matthew 6 1, Jesus said, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father. A few years ago in Hope Crossings, we had an opportunity to uh, be a, distribu- a, a, a an arm of distribution for Tom's Shoes. You know, Tom's Shoes, uh, I don't know if they still do this or not, but if you bought a pair, they would give a pair, right? And so they were shipping those overseas. They were giving away shoes overseas. But then they started realizing we have people in need here in America. And so they started giving their shoes in America as well, and they they hooked up through uh, some of got churches in order to do that, and maybe some other institutions as well. Anyway, we had an opportunity to give away some shoes, and so we contacted one of the local uh, elementary schools, and we presented the idea to them, and we, we met with them. John and I went and, and met with the principal and the assistant principal in the office, and we said, hey, this is what we're, we can do, and uh, would you be interested? And um, they said, um, we need to check you for drugs because we think that was a joke. So they, the, the look on their face was just about that real because they we're like they were like, you want to do what? They really were so surprised. We said, yeah, we can do this. We have a connection. So they said, Yeah. Okay. That's about how excited they were. Yeah. And then when we started really making it happen, man, they were getting pumped up. So we went and measured every single foot on that campus from the principal through everybody, students, teachers, everybody. And so we had all the measurements. We placed the order we're getting the shoes. They told us when it was coming. We arranged for the date when we're going to present the shoes to all the students. And the staff of that school wanted to make it a big deal, and they did an assembly in the, um, audit- on the gymnasium, and it was, we're, great, whatever works for you, you know? And then I got a phone call about a week before the event, be- before we were going to do this. And they said, hey, we want to contact the Jackson Herald and have them come out here and do a big story on this. Hmm. Ow. Like, um, well. I said, look, we don't want that, and we're not asking for that. We just want to give some shoes away. We didn't even buy them. We're just a distributor. But we're part of this process. I said, listen, if calling the newspaper and them doing an article on your school will help you, Go for it. If it'll help your school, awesome. But that's not actually something that we want. And See, that's just an obscurity. You just, you just do what you do without anybody trying to know about it. Now, they did call the paper, and they did an article, and whatever. It, I Hopefully, it helped the school. We just didn't want it. And every month, John Ryan and his whole team of people go into two or three schools here in our community and they just through obscurity just go and minister and provide and bless. That's what serving's all about. You know, when you don't take credit and you don't look around, you're not, you don't have the, it's just so wholesome and beautiful because then, you know, it's like, Lord, you see it. I'd rather have his reward than anybody's reward. He's the one that rewards and God has blessed us and continues to do so. So, it's just about obscurity. Go back to let's go back to George Mueller. So he has the orphans there at the table and no food. He prays. There's a knock at the door. The baker comes and presents uh, bread to him. The baker leaves. A few moments later, the door. There's a knock on the door again, and so he goes and enters the door. And he and and the dairy farmer evidently had early in the morning milked his cows and was bringing the jugs of milk into the city to sell it. But his wagon that he was pulling these jugs of milk on broke down right in front of the orphanage. And so he had to unload the milk in order to cripple his wagon back to his house and fix it. And so he knocks on the orphanage door and he says, listen, I've got this milk. You can have it. My wagon broke down right here in front of your orphanage. I want you to have this milk. God not only provided something to eat, but he provided something to wash it down with. God is that kind of a God. When we serve, he says, I know how to provide all that you need. I know how to multiply your time. I know how to multiply your money. I know how to multiply everything you've got going on. He says, I know how to do that. Because you're serving. Serving is not about a job. It's about people. Serving is about people. And we get an opportunity to bless people when we serve. I want to make two statements. Number one, if you serve people, they will change. Serving changes people. If you serve People will change. There's no doubt about it. I think if I were to ask for your agreement, I think everyone would agree. When you serve people, they change. When when people are served, it just changes them. It changes our mentality. It changes how we treat other people. Especially when we're kind of mean or ugly to someone, but they are not, they don't do that in retaliation and, and they're nice back to us. It changes us. You know what also changes us? Is when someone's mean to us and we're nice to them, right? It changes us. And that's what serving is all about. It's about people and seeing God work in their life and changing. But i got another statement to make, and that is this. If you do not serve people, they will change. You have no say-so about their change, but they will change. It's like a, it's like a, a field. It's like dirt. It's like ground. If you plant what you want to grow in it, it'll grow. You can plant flowers, fruit, vegetables, whatever. If you plant, and you pl- then it'll grow. Let me ask you something. If you don't plant anything, is something going to grow in that dirt? Yes. It's a four-letter word called weeds. Five letters, I guess. I knew as soon as I was saying, if I did four letters, it would be weed, and we know what that is. And <laughs> Got to improvise sometimes. The field is going to grow something. So when we are serving one another, we are planting into people's lives. We're planting and planting, and that's what's going to grow. If we do nothing, they'll still grow. We have children in, in this church and children in our community. If we serve them and plant into their lives, they're going to change. But if we don't, they're going to change. And then we have no control. We have, we have nothing. And we have nobody to blame but ourselves. But Hope Crossings is a church that loves to serve. And we just need we need to do a little bit more. And we need to do it a little bit better. Can I get an amen? We need to do a little bit more and do it a little bit better. If If we can change our trajectory by just one inch, man, what does the next 10 years look like? If we can just ramp it up a little bit more, what does the next 10 years look like? We plant today. We may not harvest for 10 years. But I tell you what, if we don't plant today, there'll be no harvest in 10 years. So we gotta do a little bit more and a little bit better. Where are you serving? And I know, I know who I'm talking to. You guys are servers, I get it. But if you're not, there's a place for you. There's a place of service for you. Perhaps God would say, Hey, you know, you've been serving in this area a while, but I want to make a change and you want to go into another area. That's cool. We we marry the mission. We date the method. We can break up with the method. Right? So, where are you serving? How are you serving? Who are you serving? That's what it's really all about. You've heard the expression, throw in the towel. Are you ready to throw in the towel on this? Are you going to throw in the towel? It means quitting Years ago, it was a it was a term, it was an expression, if you will, in boxing, the boxing world, where the guys would be in the ring duking it out and all that stuff, and and if one fighter just decided, you know, I'm done, man, I'm I'm getting beat up here, I'm done. The sign that he was quitting was that they would take a towel and they would throw it into the middle of the ring, and that was the sign that says we're done, we're, we're done, and let everybody know we're it's over. And that's where that expression came from. Are you are you willing to quit? Are you going to throw in the towel? Are you quitting? Jesus did not throw in the towel. He took the towel and he put it around his waist and he used it to serve. Whatever God's given you, whatever gifts, whatever talents, Taylor mentioned it before, whatever gifts, whatever talents, whatever you have, you can either use it to just throw it in and say, no, I'm done. I'm done. No way. I'm done. I'm quitting. Or you can say, nope, God's given me this. God's given this to me. I'm going to use it to serve. And those will be the happiest moments of your life when you connect not only with people but with the Lord himself because when we serve, we're serving him. Let's pray.